We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. All right, here we go. Special edition of Knicks Fan TV. CP the Franchise here. Special guest with us today. She is a legend in the sports media game, celebrating 30 years at ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. Linda Cohn joins us today. Linda, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Hey, CP, thanks for having me. Uh, You know, kudos to you and your success with this amazing platform you created I'm glad to be a, a small part of it, at least on this day. No question. And, and as we said before we started recording, you know, you're someone who I watched from Sports Center, you know, middle school days on, on down. Um, how do you reflect on, on 30 years, you know, the most sports centers and, you know, 30 years covering all different sports? How do you reflect on that? Yeah, you know, as it's going on, you know, that old cliche, enjoy the journey. I mean, who enjoys the journey? Not me, not, not a New Yorker. Um, you know, that, that's not in my DNA. <laughs> so I never thought about what I was like adding up, whether it's number of sports centers I hosted or the years that have gone by. Uh, what I'm one of the, so many things that I'm most proud of and probably the first two, uh, one that I, you know, stopped and smelled the roses when it came to the balancing act of having a family of two grown children and being a mom was so significant and important to me to kind of slow me down. Again, getting back to that New York mentality that we're all at, we're like, what can I do next? What about, you know, blah, 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 you know, I'm like, uh, you know, it took me, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I had kids, I started having kids when I was 31. I have two amazing grown children. But uh, the point is that was significant. And the other thing, when I look back on the 30 years is that 
how I impacted, you know, people like you, for instance, right? You know, to do their own thing, to create, not just wait for something to happen. Um, and and your love of sports and your passion of sports. And, you know, when you're in kindergarten to middle school and you're watching me before you got the bus. Um, and all the young women that have entered this industry, young women that have reached out to me, said the same thing. They grew up with me, you know, they watch SportsCenter. And just by seeing me on a nightly basis or a morning basis, whenever the heck I was on, my schedule changed a lot. They, they had belief then that uh, women can do this and they could do it for a living and not just pass through. So those just off the top of my head, that's what I think of when I think about being and the significance of one place too. Um, you know, when I look back, I don't realize it, but people have been saying, do you realize just the other aspect of this, that you were in one place for 30 years. That just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, not at all. Not at all. Do you remember your first show? Do you remember what that what that was like? Oh, yeah. It's like well-documented and it's out there. And I actually uh, made a, a fun video. Uh, actually, I didn't make it, but the LA Sports Center crew made it. Uh, it was on July 11, 1992, when I worked with Chris Myers. I think it was a 2 a.m. Eastern Saturday night edition, <laughs> and, you know, early on in my career, and which was great because actually it was great for me and really honed my skills. Doing those late highlight shows were amazing um, just because it was all highlights. You know, back in the day, there was no like this talking heads, let's bring on this person to tell what they think about this trade or what. You know, we just were like highlights, let's go, you know, and um, that was what's so cool and was cool about doing that show. Uh, you know, back in the day, early sports centers, because it was highlight driven. I know the world has changed. Social media changed it. Uh, you know, iPhones changed it, all that, and, and totally get that. And you got to move on in life. Uh, but that was a fun time to be um, a part of sports center. So it was with Chris Myers. I bet you I lead in the category as, uh, you know, Linda Cohn has had the most uh, sports center co-host too. I, I had to have had more than anybody. Did you, you know, when you first started, it's 1992. Did you feel like you had to kind of earn your respect? I mean, this is this is a male-driven industry still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you feel like, you know, that there was pressure on you to, to kind of live up to expectations? You know, absolutely. And I'm not here going, eh, crying about it. No, I think that helped me be better. I've always had the mentality, even to this day, still hosting SportsCenter, um, you know, make believe someone's watching you for the very first time and you have to win them over. Uh, I have not lost that mentality. It's what I had from the beginning uh, in 1992 when I started ESPN. And I think all, you know, young people like yourself, I'm sure, has adopted that as well because, you know, you're trying to win people over. You're always trying to prove that, hey, I belong here. I know what I'm talking about. And, you know, you're going to be informed and entertained. Let's go have fun. And so that's always been, um, you know, like my mission statement. And so uh, I think that's really significant, never to rest on your laurels. And again, it comes back to what I talked about earlier. Don't expect anyone to just give you something or give you primary spots, uh, you know, on SportsCenter or other shows, because that never happened to me. I feel like everything I gotten, it was my, um, you know, connecting with the fan uh, that really, um, you know, helped me, uh, you know, be in a certain a spot. But sometimes, you know this, you don't always get what you want, like the old Rolling Stone song. You don't always get what you want. You know, I wanted to do more NFL. I'm doing NHL now, which is great, with SportsCenter. And thank God, you know, they have the hockey back. 
but I wanted to do more bigger events. Did that always happen? No, it didn't. Am I going to whine about it? No. So it was a different world back then. I'm grateful and still am for every opportunity I had at ESPN and still have. And that's how you have to live your life and live this career else you're, you know what? You're always going to be sad. You're always going to be disappointed. You know, if you expect people to act the way you think they should, you'll always be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no question. I, I agree with that 100%. And um, the advice that you that you laid out there, you never know who's watching. It's something that I, I definitely subscribe to. One of my old partners, when I was, um, you know, moving this show along, we were, one time we were walking into the garden and we were talking about just content strategy going forward. And that's sure. what I said to him. I said, we got to stay on video, stay on YouTube because you just never know who's watching. So yeah. let's continue to improve on our craft, improve our, you know, presentation, everything, because you just never know. And because of that, you know, it's opened up a lot of doors for me. So it's, it's big, big time advice. Great. Fantastic. I love to hear that. That's awesome. You mentioned the number of co-hosts that you worked with. Is there one in particular who you feel like you worked with best or had the best chemistry with? You know, uh, I get that question a lot and I don't blame you for asking it uh, because I've worked with so many people, but I would say this, you know, you always have some that where you have, the more you work with that person, you know, you know, the more, you know, they, that person knows your chemistry, your ins and out, you know, currently like, you know, I work a lot with Neil Everett. He, he and I are fun. We're from that same age group. We just kid around. We both love music uh, as well as sports and we don't take anything too seriously. We just have laughs, you know, um, but, you know, back in the day, you know, uh, you know, I love working with Stuart Scott, um, you know, the late great Stuart Scott would have been 57 years old the other day. Um, just, it, you know, heartbreaking continues to be heartbreaking. Um, but we had so much fun, you know, together when we did those shows. Um, it, I, I mean, I've run out of words to describe what that was like. And I, and, and I was like, you know, we both like had mutual respect for each other and what we do and who we impact. And I think that came across through the screen. Um, other people that I work with that I just love to laugh with, you know, like, you know, back in the day, Kenny Maine made me laugh. I just had to do was look at him, you know, <laughs> or, that, or I was reading a, a, something on camera, you know, and he'd just look at me and you'd see him out of his peripheral vision and you're like, how do I not crack up right now on live TV? And yet you made all these facial expressions that I, I don't even know if I can make again, but he made me do that. Um, um, but, you know, the key, for a great sports center or a great show, and you can attest to this, is if you come out of it like thinking, oh my God, that was fun. You know, I, that's, that was great. That was, that was worth everything. That was worth me being up late or doing this or doing that or preparing the way I did. Then that's a win, uh, whoever you're co-hosted with. So I think that is the secret to the success. You mentioned the late, great Stuart Scott. What, what I feel like it, it, his, his impact on this industry is you see a lot of personalities now in, in this yes. industry. And I feel like with Stuart Scott, he made it okay to really be himself and, and bring his, his, you know, who he was out in, in front of that camera. W- would you agree on, on that? Oh, that, like that that is, yeah, that's so true. That's so great. And that was a time, remember, when we weren't allowed to have personality. Hmm. I mean... Stuart was in the forefront of that. And, and because I'll tell you, being a woman in a man's world, I was afraid to go boo. Like I was like, uh Oh, someone's not going to like this, whether it's someone in my own company, a colleague, or, you know, the average fan from South Dakota 
who is still getting used to the fact that a woman is giving her sports, no offense to South Dakota, but you know what I'm saying, you know, type of thing. So Stuart comes on and is himself. And I always say this when I do speaking engagements to talk to young people. Being, you know, it's like a cliche now, but back in the day I used it. It's like, be, be your authentic self, be you. Never let anyone change who you are. Don't kind of carve yourself into a little box, um, a box that people think this is the way you're supposed to be. Stuart never did that. He, he, he burst through. He burst through with being himself. And so a lot of times, another aspect of Stuart and which then, you know, I was like, wow, Stuart can do that. I'm going to start doing that. I'm not going to be afraid. And, and what I love, one of the things I love about Stuart and his personality was the fact that he said, you know what? I'm a Tar Heel fan. I'm going to be a fan. I'm going to let people know I root for the Tar Heels. Right. Like, not only root for them, but I'm passionate about them. Yeah. And I'm going to always bring that up. And... Me being a New York girl and the love of my teams, you know, the Rangers, the Giants, you know, the Knicks and the Mets. He gave me like, wow, well, Stuart's doing that with the Tar Heels. Okay, Linda over here, I'm going to let people know and kind of plant some seeds. So that's another aspect that people forget as well about Stuart. He started that trend, which, oh, by the way, thank God has never ended. That, that's right. And what I like about you is that, you know, you kept your New York accent. We have a very, yeah. very strong accent, the way we enunciate certain things, but you always kept it authentic in that regard as well. Yeah, I'm really proud to be a New Yorker. I was born in Manhattan in New York City. Um, you know, I'm sure I was raised on Long Island, but first seven years I was in New York and then Queens. And then my parents uh, moved all of us to Long Island. But uh, that's what I love. And it's a funny story. Well, I went to Oswego State, a great SUNY school, great university right near Syracuse. And there was this amazing professor, uh, his name, and I think he's still there, Fritz Mazir, great guy, worked in TV production. And I thought, oh my God, the only way I'm going to be able to be in this business, I have to lose my accent. So I asked him, I go, what do I have to do to lose my accent? Because I don't think anyone's going to hire me, you know, other places outside of New York and stuff to get your first job in New York. I mean, back in the day, there were no podcasts and things that you could create on your own and do stuff you know there was some radio stations and there was a lot of tv stations where there was actually sportscasters who did sports you know so anyway he said to me you know the only way you can lose it is open your mouth wider when you talk and slow down your speech and when i first started when i got a big break in seattle and i worked for a cbs station doing sports that was my big break before espn uh i used that advice um, and then I, you know, some words would come out that I couldn't escape the New York accent. And it, while it was great advice, I decided my real self, when I'm off camera, I'm still going to have the accent. I'm still going to talk like this. So somehow I was able on camera when that light went on to do what he said, mm -hmm. you know, when I had to slow down my speech, open my mouth wider when I talk, you lose their accent. And I did that. For like 95% of the words I uttered in Seattle uh, on the air at Cairo TV. Um, but then when I got to ESPN, slowly but surely, you know what? I let out more than New York accent. And now here you go. Take, take it or leave it. And I'm still there. So um, that's another situation where at least times have changed, where people want you to be yourself. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing I want to bring up, which because people always ask me, you know, how do you explain your longevity? And, you know, you're still making an impact. Like, I, I say nothing's changed, meaning when I first started, I always wanted to connect to the fan. 
not, you know, and it helped out that, yeah, I was athlete friendly as well. But I, I can, uh, my importance was connecting to the fan because I am a fan first and I always have been and I always will be. And I always stick up for the players I love and stick up for the teams I love. And I'm also sometimes I'm hard on the teams I love. So the teams actually think I can't stand them, which cracks me up. That happened with a Met thing many years ago with the Mets over a highlight. I was ripping like they didn't score any runs for their pitchers. It was like, this is now eight straight games where the Mets, they barely can average more than, and sadly, a lot, not, not much has changed, by the way, with their offensive <laughs> right, right. But I had like Mets PR. Uh, a lot of the players were not happy with what I was saying, and they had no idea that actually I'm a Met fan. Right, right. So I put fans first and always have done when I did the highlights because I knew they were just like me. And, and you know, that's why I, I really appreciate this conversation because I started this platform uh, by being fan first and, and wanting yeah. to, to connect with the fans and, and have them have their voices be heard. And it's, it's a very rewarding and valuable experience. You know, the impact that, that you have on fans and you, you started in this industry from sports radio, right? You were actually yeah. you know, a pioneer yeah. in, in sports talk radio. So talk a little bit about that and, and how that's influenced your career. Yeah, you know, back in the day, they actually didn't have me as a role in sports talk radio. Uh, so we're talking, this is before, I was actually worked for a blink of the eye at the fan, you know, WFAN, which we all love because mm -hmm. they were like, you know, mind-blowing, obviously, with Mike and the Mad Dog and everything when they came onto this planet. But before that, before sports talk radio, and I know I'm dating myself, but who cares? You just Google me. Uh, find out all I am. But, you know, mid-80s, I was doing radio, and I was doing it for WCBS AM 88, News Radio 88, because there was no sports talk. Mm -hmm. And I was doing updates, uh, uh, weekend overnights. And, you know, I would come in, it's no traffic, but I was living in Queens at the time, I would drive into the studio uh, on West 52nd Street, CBS, at, you know, all hours when we didn't have to look behind our back because we thought we were going to get, you know, something yeah. bad was going to happen. Uh, I actually just drove in, no big deal. Do, 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 do. And, you know, spent three hours there after the, all the games were over. And I recorded, recorded three different, um, you know, sports reports of the night in action. And they posted all overnight and in the morning on WCBS. Mm -hmm. And that gave me a great start. Um, I did have an opportunity, uh, a very small one, to um, do some sports talk at WFAN before I got the job in Seattle. But back then I wasn't really good at it mm -hmm. because I wasn't being myself, you see? I wasn't like talking like a fan, like the people that were listening, like, you know, I was like, oh my God, what should I say? There's gonna be dead air. I better have some facts. I better write some stuff down. That's not good sports talk radio, you know, and so I wasn't great at it. So I did the TV in Seattle, got to ESPN, did some ESPN radio stuff. But my biggest break uh, on the radio side was when Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio hired me to do filling in for the dog, yeah. you know, who we all love. Yeah. And of course, um, for Pat McAfee okay. and other filling opportunities. And, and it's been great because for the last five years doing Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM, I've been able to, you know, be me, be the fan, be, you know, broadcast from, you know, make jokes about how I'm president of the Eli Manning fan club, you know, stuff like <laughs> that, you know, and like nobody will get nobody to push back on me. Right. And Eli doesn't even know that. Uh, so, you know, the whole kind of thing and just having fun. And so it's such a great thing. So, but radio and, and, you know, and if they had podcasts back then, I would have done that because I think 
what you're doing uh, makes you better in all other platforms. So when I was doing, so doing sports talk radio for, that made me better. That made me a better sports center anchor as well, because that was more of like the Ed Living and blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, more of just the authentic Linda. Well, we're talking to the legendary Linda Cohn celebrating 30 years at ESPN. Um, you know, prepping for a show on SportsCenter. I have a lot of friends that went through the production assistant program, some that are still there. Uh, so I understand that the, the preparation that it takes to, to put on a show. Has there been a time or can you tell me about a time when you had to kind of deviate from the lead or, or deviate from a plan and, and break some news? Oh, yeah, that's happened. Oh, I can't even begin to tell you how many times that's happened. And that's one of the aspects of doing SportsCenter that's still exciting. Because people, some people ask me, like, oh, you know, isn't, isn't it tough doing the same thing all the time? I go, I'm talking sports. It's never the same all the right. time. Right. And so, um, you know, when I think about breaking news, I think the most recent that I can remember, um, before, like, before we deal with now with NBA free agency, where guys like Kevin Durant, who I love, but with four years left on his contract, wants out of Brooklyn, you know, that kind of thing. Remember when Kawhi Leonard, right after the whole Raptors yeah. championship, and and everyone was like, where's Kawhi going to go? So I was doing a show in L.A. with my buddy Stan Verrett. And it was like we were ready to get the hell out of there. It was like 11.15. All the games were over, this and that, blah, blah, blah. It was like in a July. So you're only waiting for like a late Dodger or Angel game to finish because it's the show of record, the show we do out here in L.A. So um, it's like 11.15 L.A. time, so 2.15 Eastern time. And then typical Kawhi, who's Mr. Quiet, I don't need a big thing, you know, whatever. <laughs> He, it was like breaking news, like Adrian Wojnarowski comes on or whatever, or just there's a tweet or something. And it's Kawhi's like, I've decided to go to the Clippers, like at 1115 <laughs> local time, you know, in L.A. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm taking Paul George with me. Mm -hmm. So here's Stan and I were like ready to leave. We're waiting for, you know, we're basically almost done doing the closes, as we like to say. And um, this happens. And so everyone and their grandmother is like, we're all like, oh, let's bring in Michael Wilbon. Let's bring right. in Stephen A. Smith. Let's bring in, you know, uh, you name it. We got opinions on everyone. Let's bring in Woj. And it was like a whole thing. And oh, okay, what about the Lakers now? Ramona, what do you got about right. the Lakers? Right, right. So that was like, and then Stan and I walked off the set two hours later. It was close to like, you know, three um Eastern time, like 3.30 Eastern and, and local time was like close to one, you know, something like that, 1.30, uh, somewhere around that, LA time. And we're like, you know what? That was fun. That was cool to be on because we were the only game in town on yeah, live yeah. when this amazing, and our people, meaning our sports fans, you know, this, you know, this big, big, huge story. And it was a positive story. It wasn't like, thank God, someone dying, which right, I've been right. involved in shows like that. So that's why I wanted to bring up the positive story of breaking news, you know, with that. And it was an L.A. story, obviously, you know, involving the Clippers for a change and not the Lakers. But of course, we had to get Laker feedback and Laker for sure. reaction. For sure. For sure. Talking about scramble on the fly. Now, yeah. you're celebrating 30 years at ESPN. And this is also in the backdrop of 50 years of celebrating Title IX. And you also have oh. a a Title IX program uh, series on, on Sirius XM. Talk about the impact of, of this legislation that it, that it had on, on your life coming up in sports. Yeah, you know, you know, you don't even think about stuff like that because you just keep pushing. You're like, I, I love playing hockey. I played hockey. Uh, I was a goalie. Uh, I played with boys. That was the only leagues that let me in. There were no girls, maybe two other women, young women, uh, when I was a teenager. Uh, so I had to play with boys a hell of a lot younger. Like I was 14 when I started playing hockey. 
Um, and, you know, I could only play with eight-year-old boys. And then I graduated 12-year-old boys because I was a good goalie. And then I made the uh, my high school team, Newfield High School in uh, Selden, uh, my senior year. I made the boys' team, you know, as a backup goalie. Still started about eight games, but it was still pretty cool. I always say better than the senior prom because I didn't go to the senior prom because I couldn't go with the guys I wanted to go, which were obviously – you know, the quarterback and right, the right. star player on the hockey team that I was a teammate with. You yeah. know, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay home and watch a game with my dad. You know, if I can't go with a guy I want to go with. Uh, <laughs> but so then, like, you know, the whole, then I decided when I went to college at Oswego State, they had a women's team. It was a club team, but it was really just starting out. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go there. And I had a great, other great stuff, communications, forecasting, stuff like that. Great sunsets. But I had a women's hockey team. First time I played with women there. And again, you don't think about what it means to actually, wow, I'm playing now playing with other women, which were really was really cool. Um, but it meant a lot. So on that special you referred to, which you can get on demand still on Sirius XM, the Title IX special, um, they brought in one of my former teammates from Oswego State. Oh. She was so great. She still is. I mean, she played defense. She was always there. Great skater. Because um, a lot of the women that I played with were not like how Ann was. Ann Potter Collins is her name. And Anyway, we had an interview about Title IX and what it meant and us just playing hockey and all that. So it was really cool. And I just, you know, look, at, again, sounds like a, a, a line from, a, you know, an old Matchbox 20 song, look how far we've come. But it's really kind of true. I mean, uh, yes, should there be better, more things, you know, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We're on the right path. And it's fantastic because you look at, you know, and we have to thank, you know, the queen, Billie Jean King, uh, for being just who she is when I was growing up. I had I didn't have these kind of glasses. I had really thick glasses and I played tennis before I played hockey. And Billie Jean was like my idol because she is she's a woman with glasses, being a professional tennis player, center court and all that. And I she was like one of my idols growing up. So uh, if it wasn't for her and now look at her, I mean, she's part Dodgers owner and all these other things she's accomplished. So uh, if it wasn't for her, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So, uh, yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, no, no question. And now so. You know, you're starting off in high school, uh, uh, a woman playing goalie for a men's team. And then later on, again, a woman in sports industry, which is a, a male dominated industry. I have to assume that that experience that you went through playing at the high school level, I'm sure there was some adversity there that kind of helped you in your career. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Oh, it sure did. It was like, what great preparation for me. Dealing with the whispers behind my back. Like, what, you know, what's she doing? Uh, right, doing right. that? And like, what, why is she playing with my son? You know, type of thing. And she's got a, ooh, is that really a girl behind there? Ponytail out of her goalie mask behind, my you know. I, I heard it all and I had to block out the noise. You know, I mean, I really did. I learned to do that. And so when I started doing, you know, being a sportscaster, TV when, you know, and radio before that, but uh, same kind of thing, you know, sure, early on, we didn't have social media, but believe it or not, would you believe the ESPN switchboard, all you had to do was find out the main number, they would get me right to my voicemail. So those early sports centers, the first few years, not just the first week, the first few years Mm. of me doing sports center at ESPN, uh, the voicemails I would get were not pretty and not, and you would think it would be all from guys. But no, there were some women, like old moms, you know, saying, what are you doing? And are talking to my son about sports. You're standing up and you're wearing a skirt. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, like some of them was really disturbing. I remember driving home from work, doing these late night sports centers, really questioning what am I, what is going on? And calling my mom late at night who lived in Florida at the time, you know, like, I don't get it. I don't understand. You know, I was really upset. And she'd be like, who cares? My dad would, you know, do his, you know, uh, she said, my dad would say like his favorite curse word, like mm. F him, you know what I mean? All the time to me, you know, yeah. to just like totally block it out. And it really did. Uh, that's what I did. You know, I'm not saying I'm a robot and it didn't get to me um, sometimes even before social media and then social media happened. Um, and that's why I tell young people all the time, even when social media first came out, like in Oh, nine. I know I joined Twitter in 2009. I was one of the early ones. But I, you know, I say to them and my daughter who's grown, but she had said this to me years earlier. She's like, I don't care if all of your mentions are great. Don't get too high on the mentions and don't get too low on the mentions. Mm. Treat them all the same. Like, you know, like don't put any stock into them. Right. You know, because you don't know where that's coming from. You don't know, you know what the person is about and you just don't you just let it go don't don't give it any energy that, that's great yeah definitely great advice especially uh in this climate uh we're, we're talking to the legendary linda Cohn celebrating 30 years at espn uh all right linda let, let's get into some of our teams here because this is okay the- yeah let's so, end strong let, let's end strong so uh on these knicks yes we, we have we're in the backdrop of a potential donovan mitchell trade I yeah, Jalen Brunson coming in. How do you feel about the state of the franchise? Right now? Yeah, uh, I love. Listen, 
I love players that want to be on the Knicks. Like, uh, you know, I don't care if they're not elite, but Jalen Brunson wanted to be a New York Knickerbocker. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. I'm in, Jalen. Okay, I know the numbers, you know, I know we played with, with the Mavs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I have a little pause and about whether you're going to put up those same numbers with the Knicks. Uh, for the obvious reason, because you're, that person's not here with the Knicks, you know, uh, so Luca's not there. Um, so, but you know, the thing is, I believe, I believe in players that want to be here now. The Donovan Mitchell, my God, three-time All Star, was he 25 years old? I mean, can you imagine if Leon Rose and company can somehow pull off a miracle uh, legally and get him in right. here? <laughs> without breaking any NBA rules and all these other teams, like filing petitions, the Knicks did this wrong, this should not be allowed. But, you know, you're hearing all this uh, scuttlebutt, you know, about Brunson and all these kind of things. I mean, really, don't you know the 29 teams have something else better to do uh, than please, you know, pity the Knicks, let them, let us. So, you know, we're all fans, right? So we we hope, but I can't even, I, I will be jumping for joy. I don't care who do you have to, get rid of to get Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because then we're, then we'll be like, wow, we then, you know, cause we look as Nick fans, oh, look at Atlanta. They have Trey Young and look at Memphis with John Moran. We, we need one of these young guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We need a guy. And at 25 years old, you know, you, you have to take a swing. And I think with bringing in Brunson here, they're trying to compete. You know, some fans would say, well, they need to be playing for the lottery. They're in no man's land. But I think at I'm this sick stage, of that. I'm sick of that strategy. That hasn't worked. <laughs> let's let's get the guy, right? Why not, right? Why not? By the way, yeah. we, we have no proof. We have no guarantee that they'll pick the right guy. Hey, history has shown that. Yes. History has definitely shown us that. So uh, you're definitely right on that. Now, earlier this week, there, there was a little bit of controversy in, in the Brunson uh, press yeah. conference because the media was not allowed in. How, how did you feel about that? That's not good. Um, he's got to get used to the New York's media, right? And what, you know, sadly, MSG sometimes has, shakes, you know, the people that run it and run these teams, because I know from the Rangers as well, they kind of set up their own rules. I don't know what that's about, so it's really tough for me to comment, but it's dumb. I mean, you can, you can um, structure that press conference the way you want. Can you let everyone in? This is not even, it's not even a COVID thing, right? Can't play, mm-hmm. it's a COVID thing. Yeah, no, it's in front of a ton of fans all the season. I know, exactly. Yeah. Isn't it, you know, it's bad PR. It's bad PR and the Knicks need good PR. They constantly do until they get a consistent winning product on the court. So it, I had my head shaking. I could not believe that when I saw that. Yeah, I don't they, understand it. Yeah, they, they certainly do it to themselves. The only thing I could think of was that with the Mitchell stuff still being out there and with the tampering investigation going yeah. on, maybe they didn't want to put him on the spot, you know, to be But doesn't that stuff. raise more, I know, but doesn't that raise more eyebrows? That's fair. There's a way to do that, right? There's just yeah. a way, like, if they're all, like, a barrage of questions are toward that, PR dude's got to stand up and say, listen, we're here to celebrate that Jalen Bronson is here now. All that other stuff will be figured out. There are ways to do it. I just don't understand it. Who, who's your favorite Nick of all time? Oh, well, it has to be, and again, I'm dating myself, but who cares? Uh, Wolf Frazier. Uh, okay. Quick okay. little story. You know, the Knicks are the first professional sports team I love with my dad. Mm. Um, so, because I, you know, I was a youngster, and and who would have thought that 
the 72-73 Knicks would be the last championship team. Yeah. Uh, when I was a little girl, I never thought that was going to happen. Um, but funny story, back in the day, uh, when they won that championship, I was growing up on Long Island then, okay? And there was this new mall. It's called the Smith Haven Mall. I think it yeah. still exists. Yeah. It's in Lake Grove, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, what they did was three New York Knicks. There was Walt Clyde Frazier, there was Dave DeBuscher, and Willis Reed. They were invited to the mall, and there's like, it was a three-pronged mall, right? You know how malls are like, okay, Macy's is here. You know, this store's here, this store's there. So they set up stages for each end of the mall. And I told my dad, my dad took me, and my dad took me, I wanted to see, of all the three dudes, you know, Dave DeBuscher, Wolf Frazier, and Willis Reed, I wanted to see Wolf Frazier. Mm-hmm. And I, as a little girl, I must have been eight or nine, I snuck into the front. And you know how, and listen, you're young, but there's going to be a time when you're going to forget a lot of things. Yeah. You're going to be shocked at what you remember. Mm-hmm. So I remember as a nine-year-old girl, whatever it was, 10-year-old girl, I remember being in the front and Wolf Frazier looking at the crowd that gathered around the stage, like in front of Macy's or whatever, you know, and he bent down and looked at me and said, wow. Like that. I remember that. Like as it was yesterday. And it was really cool. One time I had an opportunity later on. I was already at ESPN. Might have been though like 20 years ago where our my path crossed with, you know, Clyde Frazier. And I said, I got to tell you the story. And I told him that exact story, and he was like, that is amazing. I think he even gave me another wow. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, for me to share that story, it's like when someone shares a story about, like, meeting me, like, you Mm -hmm. know, not that level, but you know what I mean, where you forget. And and he's like, you know, I think I remember going to that mall, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that, he will always be my favorite. Number 10, Walt Clyde Frazier. Clyde, Clyde is a national treasure. I have the number 10 jersey behind me. Got a Nice. And that's cool. You're right yeah. now. I'm just noticing that. Yeah. That's yeah. me. Clyde, Clyde is the best. You know, he's absolutely a, a, a treasure. Um, now, you know, I, I follow the Knicks full-time, NBA full-time, football, I follow, follow the Giants full-time. So once those seasons are over or, or near the playoffs, and obviously with the Knicks, there are no playoffs, I get into bandwagon Ranger mode. So I, 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 you know, looked at this whole series for the Rangers, this whole playoff run, and I liked what I saw. Yeah. You know, I, I liked what I saw. You know, first off, it's very rare in sports. You know, you look at football, you look at Favre to Rodgers. Uh, basketball is very difficult, but Lakers seem to always win every generation. But in hockey, going from, you know, a great goalie in Lundquist to Shesterkin, who I was very impressed with, you know, it doesn't seem to happen that often, but the Rangers seem like they really have a guy there in Shesterkin. Yeah, I mean, unlike the Knicks, the Rangers actually know how to draft. That was prior, prior administration. Can't play that one, right? Can't play Right, prior administrations, but still uh, they picked the right guy. It is rare. You're absolutely right. Ranger fans are so lucky and blessed. And Igor Shosturkin, I got to meet him after I was at game two as a fan, mm-hmm. because that is the way I like to see games. People always right. ask me, oh, Linda, what was the greatest thing you ever covered? I go, the greatest thing I ever covered was not covering. <laughs> <Yeah>. But I... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not working. Not working. But I go as a fan. I can, yeah, you know, yeah. wear the jersey, wear the hat, blah, blah, blah. So I stayed after, and I actually got to meet Igrisha Sturkin. He didn't speak much English, and he doesn't mm. know how, what a crazy Ranger fan I am. But I got a picture with him and everything. But the bottom line is this. This Ranger group was easy to root for. People who are not all in on hockey, maybe just jumped on the wagon, you know, during the playoffs, which is totally cool. Whatever you, whatever you can do to bring uh, make your fan base bigger, who cares? You know, um, how big a fan this person is or this person is. Mm-hmm. But they're a fun group. And he is the face of their franchise now. There is no question uh, that Igor Shosturkin is the guy, you know. But he has always said, and he... He had that big learning experience, you know, regarding when he was shelled by the Penguins. And yeah. everyone liked to bring that up. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, well, how did he respond, you know? And he has a great goalie coach in Benoit Lair, And he helped him get through that uh, psychologically to just, you know, remember, you know, when Pittsburgh and those fans were giving the derisive Igor chance, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know. Benoit Lair told, you know, Igor Shosturkin, look at, think of that as a compliment. They're mm-hmm. saying your name, you know, and all that, mm-hmm. you know, he just kind of like turned the whole tables on it. Yeah. And then from that time on, he was great. And he already had pocketed the Vezina trophy uh, for best goalie. Um, so yeah, he is, you know, we'll see how Andre Vasilevsky bounces back for the lightning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, you know, maybe the, maybe the tables are about to turn and the mantle of best goalie in the national hockey league. It's getting closer and closer now. Uh, I like what things are headed, and hopefully they can capitalize on that run, learn from it, and uh, and yeah. on top of it, uh, the New York Football Giants, Linda. Yes, like, yeah. Here's the I mean, are you ready for another last place finish? Uh, I know they change the head coach. Okay, uh, Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen. I'm not saying Josh Allen is you sold. know Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he's not Daniel Jones. And no offense to Daniel Jones, uh, I have been anti-Daniel Jones since the day he was drafted. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, like, I mean, here's the thing. He's a nice guy. I don't want a nice guy. You know, Eli, yeah, Eli was a nice guy, did great things in the community. But you know when he played his best? Yeah. In the Super Bowl and in the postseason. You know, you know how he got there? He at least got them in there. Yeah. You know, and he never complained and whined. Not that Dan Jones is complaining and whining, but somehow the supporting cast, these these people that are apologists for Daniel Jones, oh, well, Linda, you had no offensive line. Hey, Linda, yeah. you had no targets. Each year, the management, whoever was running the Giants, would help Daniel Jones out, getting the things that all his people were complaining about. Guess what happened? Same result. Yeah. Because it gets yeah. hurt too much. But, I mean, it's just the guy is – he'll make a nice backup somewhere someday. Yeah. Uh, I don't want him. Now, here's the other problem. The last couple of years – first of all, he pushed Eli out of his starting role, which bothered me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's – he didn't do it, but the I idiots – I didn't like having you know, handle it. I didn't like Exactly. It. Awful. Yeah. Piss poor. Ben McAdoo and company. Go – just like morons. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, here's the other thing. And then – um, he's out and then, uh, all the, so he wins a couple of games, big deal, you know, but I have been outspoken against this guy. I forgot what I was going to say. Cause it was, cause it was damn good. But, um, <laughs> I just, oh, I know, I know the protection around him, the bubble, not the protection offensive line, the management of the giants, whoever is GM, whoever is owner, whatever it is, would only bring them, bring in backup quarterbacks that are not threatening. Back, no offense right. to Colt McCoy. Mike Lennon got even was oh, even man, worse than Colt McCoy. Horrendous. He was horrendous. Yeah. So you're like you're dealing with a guy in Daniel Jones, insecure, 
you know, so he's not threatened. And that was the illusion. So he was like, oh, he's fine. Now they bring in Tyrod Taylor, who I love and like, but the guy's going to get hurt. Right, you right. know, but I feel more comfortable with Tyrod Taylor under center. Yeah. Listen, I may not, I'm just, I was looking for, you know, like, yeah, perfect. Here's the thing. It's going to be like, this is hard for me mm. and you probably. Mm. We root for the Giants. We want them to win, but I can't root for Daniel Jones. I want him out. Yeah. So I am a torn Giants fan. And by the way, half of our fan base is like, oh, apologist for Daniel Jones. Oh, Linda, you don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't had enough. <laughs> I'm sick of that. I'm sick of that narrative. I don't want him starting this year. I don't wish anything bad. But I really wish we had, like, someone come in like a Jimmy G, a Baker Mayfield. Uh, seriously. Yeah. And, you know, Baker's with Carolina. But I would have welcomed Baker with open arms. Because guess what? He's not Daniel Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not a big believer in them. The fumbling issue, you know, not as not really accurate. I, I didn't really see them why they would waste that draft pick on when we needed pass rush. They haven't built built the trench as well. We'll see. You know, the whole Saquon thing has been kind of bothering me as well. Uh, yes, with Dable and and Sean have in store, and and hopefully you know the season won't be over by week. Yes, two, as, and, as, and as, let me just say one more thing. Yeah, obviously, if the Giants get off to a miraculous great start behind Daniel Jones and the moves that, and the inspiration that maybe Brian Dable has, you know, has shared being a real head coach or being a guy that can be, has the potential to be a real head coach, um, then I'll have an open mind. But I will not be a hypocrite. I still will not believe that Daniel Jones is our future to get back to a Super Bowl. Well, we're talking to Linda Cohn celebrating 30 years at ESPN. A couple more quick questions for you, Linda. Uh, you're out on the West Coast, but a New Yorker uh, by way of Long Island. Is there a particular place or restaurant that, that yeah. you know you miss when you go out there and, and you know, you want to come home and, and you visit and you frequent? Well, when I when I went back, uh, you know, uh, to see game two of the Eastern Conference final Rangers Tampa. Mm -hmm. So I was back there a couple months ago. Uh I stumbled on this amazing bagel place. See that, you know, I listen, I'm a New York girl, you know, I like the bagels, you know, my parents would always come home from the bakery, bring bagels or the right. bagel place or H and H bagels and all this kind of, you know, mm. Liberty bagels. Now mm. what's cool about Liberty bagels. I can't tell you the address. Just look it up. Yeah. Um, that's where I had, they have like unbelievably flavored cream cheese. I remember I had some different colors, like, rainbow colored bagels i mean i just thought it was pretty you know so i'm like i'll have the oreo flavored cream cheese on the <laughs> rainbow colored bagel because it's very decorative yeah yeah why not <laughs> so um you know so uh, that is now my uh i am in i am there and also another thing is just going to great you know deli so what you don't have in la unless in certain areas where I don't live, I live in the South Bay. So, you know, like I'm not in, you know, wherever. Well, I, I don't know, but I'm not even gonna mention a town, but the point is this. Uh, so I like the New York stuff that we associate with New York right. are the great, you know, Jewish delis and the great bagels. So when I go back, those are, and great Chinese food. I went, yeah. when, when I went with my brother, I went, we went to Chinatown. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we had an amazing meal at like, it was still open at like, you know, midnight. We mm. showed up, we had an amazing meal in Chinatown and of course, Little Italy. So yeah. these are the kind of places, you know, whether it's the Jewish deli, the bagel place, Little Italy and Chinatown, all on my list when I go back to New York and nothing out here. They try, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but doesn't equate to what we can get in New York. Yeah, well said. Definitely can't get good bagels or, or, or pizza out on the West Coast. Yeah, pizza nice- too. Yes, yeah. pizza, yeah. right. I do have a nice Chinese restaurant out in L.A. in Chinatown. It's called Yang Chow's. And I'm giving them free promotion. Oh. They haven't sponsored the show yet. But if you're ever in L.A., All go right. to Chinatown, Yang Chow's. I actually shot uh, some some content there as well with fellow Knicks fans out in the West well, Coast. Well, you need, nice well, when you post this if the podcast, you yeah. you, add, you add them. I did that when I went to Liberty Bagels. They didn't know me from Adam. I didn't, <laughs> I, now they follow me. And now I was like, I, I, yeah, I was not an influencer, right? I just right, like right. their stuff, you know, yeah. so I tagged them. So maybe you'll get that sponsor. So do tag Liberty Bagels too. Absolutely. Tell them Linda Combs. Told you too. Absolutely. Now, now you mentioned influencers. There's a lot of people popping up in the game. A lot of content creators. A lot. Everyone's you know wants to get in the sports media industry. We talked about advice earlier about you never know who's watching. Um, any other advice for as- aspiring uh, sports media professionals, content creators in this in this? Uh, you know, it's it's very yeah. saturated right now. It any, is. Any advice? Yeah, it's a, you know it's a great question. I know I've already shared like being authentic. Don't expect anybody to hand you anything. You have to create stuff. I forgot anything else I said. But, um, you know, I think be grateful. And why do I say be grateful? Because, yeah, the obvious reason why. But because you're living in a day, you're starting out in this business where we have all these things. Yes, it's saturated. Yes, everyone and their grandmother has a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes, anyone can go get a YouTube channel and if they figure out how to do it. Yes, all of this stuff. But but we didn't have that back in the day. Like they were the only way like I got seen uh, when I got that Seattle job, I would, you know, make a video, a VHS tape, a videotape of um, and then I would send it mail, like real mail, like the post office to uh, news directors <laughs> that run TV stations. Yeah. So be grateful that you have these other platforms and opportunities to get seen. And you had the LinkedIn, which is big, you know, and you. And, and, you know, I've had a lot of people and it's been great because I enjoy sharing advice like to you, but I've gotten on the phone with people, young women, young men, um, talking about, you know, secrets to success. What can they do? I spoke with someone yesterday that I met via LinkedIn. She reached out to me and I, first thing I said to her, I was like, first of all, good job by you to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. You got nothing to lose. Yeah. Maybe I respond. Maybe I don't. I responded right. and we had a 45 minute chat. Because she's going at being a senior uh, in college at the University of Penn. Mm. And I was talking to her about her, and she's already done all these things while in college Mm. for her resume. You know, Mm. interning, this, that, volunteering to be a runner Mm. at, you know, an Atlanta event. You know, Mm. all these different things. Uh, It was Atlanta. It was a Hawks Sixers game Mm. that she volunteered to be a runner for for ESPN. Mm. Because she reached out to someone on LinkedIn who knew somebody that needed somebody at the last minute in Philly. You just never know. And I always say this, and and this is the true story, and I always quote him. This is my favorite quote from Martin Luther King Jr. Sometimes you have to take that first step without seeing the entire staircase. That resonated me decades, that resonated with me decades ago when I was volunteering to cover the New York Islanders. Even though I hated the Islanders growing up because I was a Richards fan, (laughs) I volunteered when I was doing News updates in my first job at WALK Radio in Patchogue, Long Island. I said, can you just pay for 10 bucks for my gas? Because it was an hour each way to the Coliseum. But I volunteered and that opened doors for me. And that's how I got the freelance job at WCBS AM 
Ed Ingalls, the late great Ed Ingalls, who used to be the sports director there, mm -hmm. saw me cover Islander games, sent me to the Mets games, sent me to the U.S. Open, and then hired me to do, you know, those sports updates I told you about. Mm -hmm. So that to me is just gold, mint, mint advice that has not changed throughout the decades. Very well said. And and lastly, what's next for you? You know, 30 years at ESPN, you have your shows on ESPN Plus, you're still doing Sports Center. you're filling in on Mad Dog Radio, you have the Title IX series. Is there anything left for you to do? Anything that, that's on your bucket list? Or what's next for you? Well, you know, there's something that could be in the works. I'm hoping we'll see if it works. Um, uh, you know, I'd love to do a podcast with my son. Mm. My son, Dan, is all NFL all the time. We both love the NFL. We both love Tom Brady, believe it or not. And yeah, I love Eli Manning. My son has forgiven me because he was at that <laughs> second Giants. I took him and we got tickets at the very last minute yeah. uh, to see the, the second Eli beating Tom Brady Super yeah. Bowl. Classic. And he was in shock, you know, because he mm. grew up in Connecticut. So he's a big Patriots fan. Uh, but, and, you know, I still root for Brady with Buccaneers, very excited for what he does and, uh, you know, Mr. Intro, uh, entrepreneur as well. But what else do I want to do? I would love to cover it. I would love to be sidelines for a Super Bowl, even if it's on radio, I don't care. I would love to do something like that. That would be really exciting to do. Um, you know, and, you know, I have the freedom where maybe I could do that with another uh, radio network. I would like to do that. I'd like to do more hockey games in between the benches. I did about 10 of them during the first year at ESPN. I'd like to do more. And I'd like to show off uh, and express my analysis during these games, because I think that's one area of growth for women that have become analysts. We look at Doris Burke for one. Yeah, for sure. Who just, you know, she's amazing. She's mm -hmm. amazing as an analyst. I, you know, and I, I had told her years ago, and, you know, I think she remembers this, when she was doing uh, sideline reporting for Duke basketball, men's basketball, I go, there's going to be a time when you are in the booth mm. because your knowledge, you, you're bet, you know, you're, there's more to you than a sideline reporter at a Duke basketball game, mm -hmm. you know, and there she was, you know, now it, we've got a custom and we look for D Doris at NBA games uh, in the booth, you know, a courtside. Uh, so that's great. So, um, those are the kind of things I would like doing. But you know what? We all have to live in the moment and enjoy what's going on now. And that's what has helped me in my longevity of not looking about what I don't have, but what I have at the moment and, you know, gr still growing. And that's what I'd like to do. Perfect ending to this interview, Linda. I definitely appreciate the time. 30 years in the game. That's a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. And, and you know, you've been a trailblazer in, in this industry. I definitely appreciate the advice and the gems that you dropped here. Hopefully, better luck for our Knicks and, and Giants and Rangers. And then hopefully we can have another conversation down the road. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. When the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell and they're winning games, okay? And, uh, and even if they're not, absolutely. And continued success for you and this great platform. Thank you. You, you as well, Linda. Thanks again. Awesome. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.